Hey y'all, Evan here. If you're listening to this episode around the time of release, then you know we're in December. And in the thick of that season, Andy Williams proclaimed the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. Well, really the only one of those customs we're going to be focused on today are those ghost stories he's saying about. But I ain't about to recite Charles Dickens, because the ones I'm sharing were gathered along the western stretch of Route 66 in New Mexico and Arizona. Some are humorous, some speak to history, a few are brutal and maybe a little chilling, but while the cities and settings differ, all were collected in places where you too can rent a room for the night. If you dare. I'm Evan Sturt, and this is Vanishing Postcards. Before we get started, if you've enjoyed being my co-pilot this season, then I think you'll really appreciate the chart-topping podcast, Trailweight. Called a must-listen by Outside Magazine, Trailweight just returned for a new season, and it explores how our love of the land and travel can accidentally do more harm than good at times. Each week on Trailweight, Acclaimed host Andrew Stephen dives into the responsibility we all carry when it comes to land use, like how on paper ecotourism makes sense, but can have unintended consequences. I'm also particularly excited about their episode on Walt Disney and the mogul's failed attempt to build a massive ski resort in the California wilderness. Let me just say this story has as many twists and turns as Space Mountain. Produced by the Podglomerate, Trailweight is a sound-rich survey that gives you a new perspective on the great outdoors and urge you to follow Trailweight on your favorite podcast app. And now, let's get back to the show. Uh, the theme of the, the city is I've got a secret, and you know, because it's so secretive, there's so many things going on, and a lot of ghosts in the city. The city different, the ghosts different, and the land of enchantment. There's plenty of spiritual nature in this whole city. But if I did them all, it'd be like Gilligan's Island. This would be a three-hour tour. So many ghosts, so little time. John Lorenzen grew up in snow-battered Wisconsin. A lanky, bespectacled elementary school teacher with peppered hair and a quirky glint, he fled the Midwest some time ago in search of warmer climates. He landed in Santa Fe whose conjecture of art, history, and architecture captured his fascination upon arrival. Decades later, his love for this city seems unabated and is a passion he shared with visitors now for over 20 years through the ghost tours he guides around downtown's narrow, adobe-lined streets. And strolling along Don Gaspar Avenue, past galleries and cocktail bars with arched facades, he fervently tells me that this town's wayward spirit shouldn't be feared, but celebrated. These folks who may be floating through the ether founded the basis of this city, built the buildings, created the laws. They should be applauded. We shouldn't fear the ghosts because um, most ghosts are not here to scare us. They're way too selfish to do that. They're, they're connected to their own misery. There is a 1% just like people who are evil, but that's in the minority and Hollywood is glommed onto the 1%. Why? Because it sells more tickets. It's for teenage boys to goose their girlfriends in the bloody third or fourth act of Jason or Freddy, okay? But it's not based on any reality. It's ghosts are grossly misrepresented in Hollywood. They should, uh, have, they should pick at the studios. The thought of invisible phantoms camping outside Universal Studios with protest signs is a funny image. But joking aside, when I ask John to elaborate as to why ghosts are selfish, 
I think his answer does a pretty good job of illuminating the logic behind hauntings. Because they're stuck on their, their problems that are keeping them in the past. A spirit that is giving has already moved and they don't become a spirit. But ghosts are very are narcissistic. They're stuck on their problems. And they don't know how to get behind them. And it takes a strong psychic to say, did you know you're dead? It's 2021, you died in 1867 or 1922. And the ghost says, you got to be kidding. I've been wasting all this time. To hear John tell it, Santa Fe is rife with spirits like these. But he says the reason they're kicking around here isn't necessarily because this town is a magnet for narcissists. We're the most haunted city in the West. We're in the top five haunted cities of the United States. We have a ghost association to keep out the riffraff here, but there's so many ghosts. And there's a lot of reasons for this. It's 400 years old. A 400-year-old city is going to have more ghosts than a, a, a subdivision on the edge of Dallas, for example. And then there's the, the violence of the city, with wars, insurrections, executions that took place here in the, from the 1600s all the way to the mid-1800s. And if you study the paranormal, this violent death can be a part of why uh, a small segment of people decide not to go to the next world, they stick around. And then we have our architecture and our building codes. Uh, we have a strong building code. No mistake that the top five haunted cities in the United States all have strong building codes. See, you preserve the old buildings, guess what goes along for the ride? The ghosts, okay? There's also our elevation, it's 7,000 feet. The, um, the atmosphere between dimensions is literally thinner, okay? So there's a lot of different reasons why we're haunted. And the most haunted places of all, according not just to John, but many ghost hunters, are hotels. Now you think about ghosts, and it's just about math, really. Not a lot of people die in single homes through the years, but a lot of people die in hotels because they check in and they, they, they don't check out. So it's all math and the number of people. We're talking in the upper lobby of La Fonda, an exquisite 1920s Mary Coulter designed Fred Harvey property. Its tiled interiors, frescoed walls, and cathedral ceilings signify this place is special. And John says for some, a night's stay here can offer more excitement than your typical Marriott. See, there's plenty of haunted hotels throughout the United States, and this La Fonda is one of them. La Fonda is mega haunted. It's got ghosts from the top of the tower to the basement. Various spirits live in here. Some of the spirits John tells me about include a tax accountant who's said to shake the walls of room 290, a woman in 1930s hair and dress who's been seen applying makeup in the women's room, and an Abe Lincoln look-alike who glides through the basement's corridors. This ghost, John says, serves as a reminder that La Fonda was built on the site of another inn. This hotel has garnered a ghost from the old hotel, the U.S. Exchange Hotel from 1852. That's what that Abraham Lincoln ghost, I think, is. He's pre-1928. This is a hotel, the first in the city, and the folks came off the Santa Fe Trail and they gambled away their fortunes right in the casino area, which mimics exactly where the restaurant is to this very day. At this, John leads me to a balcony where we gaze down at the dining room, which, like a Spanish courtyard, sits below an atrium and is centered around a babbling fountain. Now here's where the old casino was in the U.S. Exchange Hotel. That was bulldozed in 1919. This was built in 20, 1928. Here's an example of the architect channeling the old casino. Look, there's even skylights open to the top, just like the casino was. It follows the parameter. This was a rough, tough gambling establishment. And the guys, sharpies, lawyers, and sheriffs would play cards, 
Five card stud drank shots of whiskey, flirt with the pretty girls, and get really ornery if they lost, and bang, bang, someone's lying dead on the floor. Well, the gambling tables were right along the parameter, right where the restaurant is. One gentleman lost his entire company payroll playing the gambling table. He was so guilty about it that he threw himself down the well where the twinkly lights are, and he died instantly. Now his guilt-ridden ghost haunts the casino. He wanders in between the folks eating their chimichangas and tacos, and he jumps in where the, where the, the fountain was, and no doubt causing a folk or two to choke on their chimichanga. La Fonda is hardly the only hotel in Santa Fe to inherit ghosts. And around the corner, John leads me to the Loretto Inn and Spa, a 1975 property built on the site of the old Our Lady of Loretto Academy. A girls' school founded in 1856 by an order of nuns who arrived in Santa Fe via covered wagons, it's believed that St. Joseph himself performed a miracle by building a spiral staircase in their still-standing adjacent chapel. But while the academy is no more, school marms are said to have spooked guests, teenage handprints have materialized in the gift shop, and young voices have been heard singing Salve Regina on the fourth floor. But most mischievous of all is the spirit of one Sister George. There's another story about uh, a ghostly nun. Boy, there's going to be a lot of mass appeal about this nun. And I'll tell you something else. Um, Sister George was a nun who taught the girls how to do woodworking here. And um, she lived here in the 1950s and 60s at the Loretto Academy of Light, which is right here before it was torn down in 1968. She taught the girls woodworking, and then she smoked a cigar after her shift was over in the par- way in the parking lot. Can you imagine that, a cigar-smoking nun? That's a, that's a change of habit. I'll tell you something else. This ghost has been known to come through the quarters. They, sit, they smell cigar smoke, and then she appears without notice. Imagine that. I'll tell you something. She also appeared in the back lunchroom. A man was eating a ham sandwich. I even know what kind of a sandwich it was. She appeared right in front of him in her black habit. She looked like John Denver's sister with twinkly glasses. True, true story. And um, he bolted down that sandwich and never looked back. Like 99% of ghosts, John is quick to defend Sister George because while she might have fun given the occasional startle, she isn't out to cause any harm. But he acknowledges that isn't the case with all, and leading me through the elegant St. Francis Hotel, he recounts some of the frightening occurrences that have been reported here. Uh, a friend of mine, this is a true story, she was working the clerk's desk downstairs. She had long, lustrous brunette hair. She told me this. She says, I was coming through the door and my head got yanked back by an unseen entity. And I was shocked and my scalp bristled. But she had to do her shift. She was wondering, oh my God, what happened there? She got home and she found the rest of the answer. She's combing her hair and then she got the shock of her life. Part of her hair had been torn out by a ghost. That's, again, in the minority. Was it a guy ghost? No. A guy ghost would have pinched her. It was a spiteful woman of the night who reached out with spectral hands and grasped her hair. There's other ghost stories. A friend of mine named Juan was a custodian. He was working in the basement. And um, there's refrigerated units with chrome. Now, chrome has, like, you can see a reflection, but not clearly, where they have cheeses and eggs, etc., like 50 yards long. He saw a loping figure in, in the reflection of the chrome units. While he was walking along, he whirled around. There's nothing behind him. The figure stopped the reflection. And then he started walking faster. The figure started keeping up with him. 
you think he might have picked up the pace just a little bit? Yeah, but remember he's an employee, he has to go down there. He said something I always remembered. He said, my faith keeps me strong. If you have a strong faith, ghosts can't harm you. We fear human beings by nature of fear of the unknown. Ghosts are the great unknown. In regard to the unknown, we're standing in a corridor where John says a guest once captured a photo that revealed a demonic full-bodied apparition of a figure with a goat's head. It was taken between two women on the Torah. We'll never forget it. It was really strange. There was nothing behind them when they took the picture, but again, the photo captures conscious electric, electric magnetic energy, which is what a spirit is. That's what we are. Well, I'll tell you something. This is where the corridor where we picked it up. It's really spooky at night. It's very, very austere. It does not have that fuzzy a Southwestern style like La Fonda. While I can't comment on what the St. Francis might feel like at night, having received a modern gut renovation, let's just say this eeriness doesn't reveal itself immediately. But a few nights and 200 miles further down 66, I check into the El Rancho in Gallup, where history remains very much present. Okay, the El Rancho Hotel was built in 1936, opened in 1937. Uh, the architect was a 21-year-old from, from the UK. And a lot of people, they come here from all over the world. That's Leroy McRae. A short, full-blooded Navajo, he laughs when acknowledging his Irish last name. Now in his 80s, he lives here on property, and after 28 years behind the front desk, acts today as something of an in-house historian. Wearing boots, a vest, bolo tie, and black cowboy hat, he stands before the fireplace of this building's stone and oak-paneled Sportsman's Lodge lobby and tells me of some of the classic stars who stayed here. A lot of movie stars stayed here. Most of the most notable ones are Burt Lancaster, um, even Jane Fonda, some of the ladies, Jane Wyman, uh, and uh, Doris Day, her room's right there. Each of the rooms are named after the movie star actually stayed in this room. And the two fam most famous people that stayed here was John Wayne and Ronald Reagan. They both made eight movies around the area here. They used to have a whole bunch of corrals back there, and that's where they kept all the horses. No, for when they were making the movies, the Indian movies and stuff like that. But anyway, one hot summer day, Errol Flynn, he, he rode his horseback over here instead of going back across. He, he rode his horseback over here, rode his horse through the front door and all the way down into the bar. And he ordered whiskey for himself and beer for his horse. And... And, and then uh, two weeks later, you know, John Wayne, he didn't want to be outdone, so he, uh, he did the same thing. Ordered whiskey for himself and beer for his horse. This tale supposedly inspired the Willie Nelson-Toby Keith collaboration, Beer for My Horses. And while Leroy has fond memories of outlaw country singer Waylon Jennings, interestingly enough, it was the crooner Dean Martin who got in the most trouble. One, one uh, Christmas, uh, it was getting close to Christmas, it was snowing outside, they had the fireplace going, the, the place is decorated nicely with Christmas, and Dean Martin was up there on the balcony singing, you know, serenading the ladies, and there was a jealous husband in the crowd. Now he, got, he, went, he marched up the stairs and threw Dean Martin off the balcony. <laughs> uh. 
But as Leroy leads me through a hallway of rooms named for stars like Gregory Peck, Lucille Ball, Zachary Scott, and Joan Crawford, I have to ask a question. But, um, what can you tell me um, you know, about uh, any ghost stories associated with the no, hotel? I, I, I don't want to go that. No? Nope. His tone shifts and he is firm, which tells me immediately not to press further. But based on his reaction, there are clearly a few stories knocking around this place. And as I'm leaving, ask the team of young ladies at reception if they've experienced anything here. There's quite a few things that happened. Um, She's here at night. <laughs> Sometimes the music will turn on by itself in here and in the restaurant. Um, I was walking through the hallways one night, and there was a cold spot right there by when the staff room was right there. Um, oh, my very first night, I saw a lady in a really nice white gown coming down the stairs. That was crazy. Um, when they had the wedding here, Roberta said that she had seen her uh, door slamming down in the bridal suite. Oh, okay, yeah, because they yeah. had that yeah. suite, yeah. Um, there was a lady that was screaming one night. I went to go check, there was nothing. Um... <laughs> It's not scary, and it's just like you hear things, you know. Absolutely. Um, there's always somebody like pulling on the door outside right there when it's locked. Uh, there's pots and pans that slam in the kitchen. It's crazy. Scary. I always hear footsteps up here coming up from there all the way to this way. She's like, no. <laughs> oh, wait, you don't want to stay over the, mm -hmm. the only thing I hated was whenever Just I was a, few a server. Um, you had I had to be here at six in the morning. Um, you had to get things all the way from the back of the kitchen. I hated going in there. I just it was just dark and always cold. And I, I I don't know. I think I was overthinking it that something was gonna pop up on me. But no, <laughs> no I, I just tell this day I don't, I don't like going back there. I don't know. That's not my yeah. spot. Later that afternoon. I mention this exchange to Alan Affelt as he shows me around La Posada, the stunning Fred Harvey property he bought and remodeled with his wife artist Tina Mion in Winslow, Arizona. And while far from superstitious, he doesn't question these encounters' truth. All these old buildings, I mean, you have to imagine that over the decades, everything happened in these buildings. Births, deaths, and the important, most important events in many people's lives happened in these great old hotels. Not in the new hotels, in the chain hotel, it's just not like that. But in these great old hotels with these great public spaces, everything happens in these buildings. So um, Tina, my wife, is much more sensitive to these things than I am. You know, I'm a pragmatist, so it's like, I'm not gonna see a ghost. But Tina is because she lives in that kind of netherworld. And so one day she came to me and said, there's a, a naked man in our apartment. And, you know, I said, oh, that's interesting. Who's that? And she said, well, I'm not sure who it is. She was talking about a spirit. Um, but he's kind of fleshy and overweight and pink and uh, breathing hard. And it looks like he's just had a drink. And uh, you know, he's just staring at me. And we didn't know at the time that when they closed the hotel, the last manager was a guy named Carl Weber, who perfectly fit that description. And it turned out that... When the hotel closed, the Fred Harvey Company allowed him to stay in the building in the room that became Tina's studio. We didn't know that at the time. Um, so we think, you know, Carl was just, something about Carl was still in the space. So I don't know whether it's ghosts or spirits or what it is, but certainly the past is very present in these wonderful old buildings. 
That is certainly true of the Hotel Monte Vista, which sits at the corner of Aspen and San Francisco in the heart of Flagstaff's charming downtown. Opened in 1927, like the El Rancho, this brick parador hosted many of Hollywood's elite, and even provided a backdrop for a few scenes in the masterpiece Casablanca. But Cody, the ski-loving, Baja-hoodie-wearing millennial night clerk, doesn't shy away from telling me of some of the property's less glamorous history. Uh, well, it's almost 100 years old. It's been a multitude of things in the last 96 years. I mean, it's a brothel, it was a, a bar, it's a hotel. Yeah, crazy wild, wild west times, you know. Uh, as far as I know, it's a lot of, what can I say, deaths and, you know, kind of crazy things happening at that time. One that stands out specifically to me is when this was a brothel, um, I guess prostitutes were taken upstairs to the third story. A couple of them were beheaded and thrown out of the third story window onto San Francisco Street. So that's the most gruesome. Um, there's the bank robber story. I guess there was a bank just on Route 66 and they had robbed the place, come back here, held up in the speakeasy bar downstairs and were shot and killed in the bar with all the money still on them. Meat Man 220, um, he, yeah, apparently it was like a butcher house or something at one point. He was hanging meat, cutting, and they came in and found him hanging from one of the meat hooks. He had hung himself. Um, so I've, I've heard of you know cases where it smells like sulfur or like decay in the hallway, but nothing crazy. <laughs> Cody hasn't just heard of these incidents. But work in the graveyard shift has experienced many firsthand. Um, yeah, so it definitely is a haunted hotel. I mean, it, my personal experiences has been and like a knock on the door with nobody around. Um, an ice bucket was uh, hurled across the room behind me when I was changing out like trash bags and bars of soap. Just recently, the other night, I was doing an overnight, and it was about four in the morning. I was the only person awake and I was whistling to music, and from downstairs in pitch black, there's something whistled back at me. So it's, there's definitely some like weird occurrences and you know, random, random doors unlatching and you know, just like kind of the spooky, you know? <laughs> Nothing really scares me at this point. I've had a pretty interesting life so far. Um, I mean, there, as long as you put it out into the universe that, hey, don't use me, to pass through or you can't pass through me, you know, basically putting it out there, they're not gonna bother you. I mean, the, the dead don't scare me, people do. <laughs> I tend to agree we have more to fear from the living than ghosts. And while I didn't have a great night's sleep in my Esther Williams themed room, I think that's owed more to the pulsating techno from the downstairs bar than any supernatural beings. But I love these stories and We'll leave you with these impassioned words from John, who argues they aren't only fun, but important. We should be proud of our heritage, and we should be going to, between Jung and Freud at the library and getting our book or buying it on Amazon and learning about the ghosts, because the ghosts of today were people of yesterday. They built this great nation of ours, and we deserve to give them some respect. I'm a very respectful man of the ghosts. Thanks to all who shared with me to make this episode happen, especially John Lorenzen of the original Santa Fe Ghost Tour. If you find yourself in the city different, I promise you a stroll with them is absolutely worth your time, and I'm including a link to their site in the show notes, as well as the El Rancho in Gallup, La Posada in Winslow, and other hotels mentioned so you can plan your stays. 
I also thank you for listening. If you like this episode and haven't already, please follow us on your favorite podcast app. It helps us grow and doing that guarantees you will never miss any content. Also, if you know someone in your life who might enjoy what we're up to, it would mean a great deal if you could just take a second to text them and share this episode. For photos and more, please find us on Instagram or vanishingpostcards.com where you're always welcome to reach out. Our theme music was written and performed by Max Krause and Emily Young. I'm Evan Stern, and hope you'll join us next time for more Vanishing Postcards. <laughs>